So, the Knicks lost the playoffs. They got gentlemen swept by the Atlanta Hawks. And it seems as though my prediction about Julius Randle being a second or even third option on a championship contending or playoff contending team might be right. I only say might because of the fact that I want to see... I want to see what he does next season, and that's why I'm, I personally am still a little hesitant to give him his max deal. Um, even though I know it's like six million more, I, I I'm still hesitant. Um, you know, uh, but the main thing about today's episode is that I'm going to be talking about the future of the Knicks. And, you know, delve into the ramifications of this current playoffs on to what free agency, well, into this offseason and what it might be. So, yeah, I'm Bench and I'm here talking about some warm takes. And the first warm take is that the Knicks, the Knicks should actually... Well, we all know they need a point guard. It's obvious between who was guarding Trey Young, <clears throat> how Julius Randle was affected by the Hawks' stifling defense, and you know part of this is also on Tom Thibodeau because, um, really he needs to learn how to adjust. And when I say adjust, I mean, I don't mean in the Coach Budenholzer sense of like play stars more minutes. I mean, really just sticking in some other guys into the rotation. You know, uh, a lot of people, including myself, have criticized Tom Thibodeau about only playing Frank in, like, five seconds of a game, and it's usually the last possession, but how do you expect to let a player play during a cold streak where you don't even play him and expect him to produce? Uh... Then we see how he's kind of not mishandled Emmanuel quickly, but more so how Emmanuel quickly's role kind of fell off a little bit with the inclusion of Derrick Rose and inclusion of him on the starting lineup and seeing IQ not being where he's utilized at his best, which is being an on-ball guy, and to just really being a off-ball guy and it's... You know, it's just not, like, it it really is not how he should be used, personally speaking. And then you throw in all of, like, how Julius was... Tom Thibodeau as part of blame for the playoffs of, like, how it went down. You know, Bacalis put up a better fight. But Julius Randle also has to shoulder part of blame, and it comes down to... Him playing scared in the playoffs. Him basically, he he regressed a lot in the playoffs. It seems as though you're looking at Julius from last year compared to this season. And for a guy who's vying for a All NBA selection this season, this this playoff showing was not great, especially against a young Atlanta Hawks team with Trey Young as their leader. And it just shows how much of a killer instinct Trey Young has compared to Julius Randle. Julius, he, 
whenever he got doubled, he you know he made errant passes. He he missed shots that he would always usually make, such as that left that shot on the left elbow. He really he I like for for Julius to succeed in the playoffs, he needs a good point guard. It's clear, like that's clear now. He's great in the regular season, but when playoff defenses start really like honing in on him, it seems as though he just does not know exactly what to do, or he takes dumb shots because he's nervous, or he doesn't get a shot he likes, and he tries doing too much. Um, his three-point shooting fell off a cliff. Uh, you know, it, it comes down to how people react during the playoffs, and we've seen it time and time and again that some players that are really great in the regular season oftentimes become a shell of themselves in the crucial playoff moments. We hear the takes about DeMar DeRozan being defrozen again this year. We've seen, well, again, Kyle Lowry used to be part of the Trash Bros, but now he's really shown up in the playoffs time and time and again. We've we've seen Paul George, who was fantastic in Indiana, but then the injuries got to him, and now he's known as Pandemic P, or at least, you know, is currently known. Pandemic P has actually gone passed down to Nick's icon, Chris Stapps Porzingis, and he is doing horrible for being on that $158 million contract, which I will get to at a later portion of this episode. But, you know, we've seen a lot of players who have really outplayed their regular season expectations, and there's hope that maybe they could transition it into the playoffs, and it's just not that. For some reason, whenever you could say it's the defenses, you could say it's the matchups, you could say players getting into their head too much, really, they can't perform what they did on a regular season level into the playoff level. And it is frustrating because, you know, we all thought that Julius might be that first option because he carried this next team into the playoffs for, you know, like the first time in seven years. And he he really, really, really did not perform up to expectations. So a lot of people had the Knicks in six for this playoff prediction, and it just did not happen. Um... You know, uh, really the entire team underwhelmed, you know. We had that one Alec Burks game, but other than that, he just didn't play as well as we had hoped. Reggie Bullock was literally um, a turd pudding in the entire playoffs. Uh, He's very hit or miss. And then you go into the deeper rotation. Derrick Rose became a starter after Alfred... Whenever he would be put into the starting lineup, he, the Hawks would just go on in a crazy run. But problem is, is that this is where I go into Tom Thibodeau's adjustments. Is that you put Derrick Rose as your starter, but the thing is, oh, you don't let the bench get acclimated into Derrick Rose being a starter, and that hurts the development of Emmanuel quickly, who was better with Derrick Rose on the bench playing alongside Derrick Rose, while. 
you know, Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, Taj Gibson, the Burks himself. All of those guys, they were very good bench players with Derrick Rose leading the way. But then you put Derrick Rose into the starting lineup, and it's like, where's the cohesion? What, like, you're expecting this team to adjust mid, like, midway through the first round with Derrick Rose being the starter and expected to go fine? I, you should have made that change earlier, Tibbs. We all knew it. I, we just don't know why it didn't happen sooner. You know, and personally speaking, Tibbs made that decision to start Derrick Rose way too late. And it showed. It really did show because the bench really... The bench without Derrick Rose was kind of... eh, There was no, like I said, cohesion. There was no coordination. It looked like some guys were lost. Um, Defensively, we looked lost. Um... You could attribute that to how we couldn't, we didn't know how to handle Trey or how Trey was blowing past Reggie Bullock every single time. Really, uh, there's a myriad of reasons as to why the Knicks lost to the Hawks. I, I'm gonna come down and say this is that the Hawks they built their team to make the playoffs. The Knicks did not. We didn't sign that many good free agents. We literally got scraps or older vets. Um, Really, the Hawks, they went out and got a lot of guys for their run. They needed to make the playoffs because it's been reported so many times that Travis Schlenk and the Hawks front office were under pressure by their owner and that they had to make the playoffs because when you trade... Luka Doncic for Trey Young on a draft night um, trade. Luka Doncic is already probably a top 15, even top 10 player at the moment. Having not made the playoffs while Luka Doncic has already made the playoffs twice, and this is third year in a row, I it's, uh, you know, you're going to get some heat, and... Luckily to say that the Hawks have built a good team around Trey Young. They're basically what James Harden's Rockets were for so many years, except it's Trey Young. And a lot of people thought when draft night came in that Trey Young's going to be Steph Curry. Lo and behold, he's the next James Harden. And yeah, um, kudos to the Hawks. But the Knicks were never, ever, we overshot our projections. We we proved everyone wrong. That's regardless of what you say. This is a great season. Would I have liked to actually gone to the second round? Hell yes, I would have. But am I cool with losing in the first round? I against this Hawks team who has a bunch of free agents. You know, I'm okay with it because it's just a learning process. It's like as Joel Embiid says, it's the process. You know. And this is our process. We proved everyone wrong. We have great young players. We have great draft capital. And we have a bunch of cap space to improve this team. So I'm not entirely mad that we lost against this Hawks team. Which, if we're going to be honest, has a deeper talent pool than we do. You know. That's what I personally think. Um... 
You know, they DeAndre Hunter took a giant step forward this season. And then you have John Collins who wants to get put in once again Max Contract and while he had that zero point game, he's still a bucket getter. And then you have Bogdanovich who was who saw off piss poor this entire season. And then Nick Nate McMillan, who by the way was fantastic coaching against Tom Thibodeau, let's just put out that. He, like, Bogdanovich really lit up the Knicks in crucial moments. And then you have Clint Capella. <coughs> we didn't have anyone on the interior to really defend against him. Nerlens Noel was a, basically a, a travel cone on defense, if we're going to be honest. Uh, the Hawks just have a better, deeper talent pool, personally, than the Knicks. And I'm fine losing. It's a process. We are a very young team. We are very flexible. I expect us to be better next year, though. And that leads me to our next conversation. So, on this segment, I'm going to be breaking down the future of the Knicks. And we have a lot of flexibility. Probably the most ever since I don't remember, actually, because... I was like a teenager when Mello was here, so... And before that, I just can't particularly remember because I was a wee lad. And I didn't know the intricacies of, you know, black basketball. But the Knicks have a bunch of draft picks. We have the mo- We have probably one of the more larger treasure chests of draft picks. We have a lot of money um, just on cap space. And we have we have a good amount of unrestricted free agents. That's Derrick Rose, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, Alfred Payton, Frank Nilakina, who is a restricted free agent. And then you have Reggie Bullock, Taj Gibson, Mitchie's club options coming up. And then you have a restricted free agent in Theo Pinson and Jared Harper as well. So, that's nearly half of our roster. The only ones that are truly guaranteed, as far as I know, are Julius Randle, who we have to, we do have to make, like, a decision on his extension. R.J. Barrett, who's still on his rookie deal. Obi Toppin, rookie deal. Manuel Quickly, rookie deal. And I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting someone. Uh, let me see this I'm on spell tracker right now. Kevin Knox as well. Um, and then uh, RJ, of course. But realistically, 85% of our roster are free agents of some sort. What does this all tell you? It tells you that we're going to have a good amount of a roster. Well, not a good amount. But we're going to have some roster turnover. We're going to have to add some talent in here and get the best out of this team. Get the best out of Julius Randle, who, you know, it seems as though he has the same problem as uh, Paul George, as the Raptors beforehand, before Kawhi went there. And even the Bucks last year and maybe this, actually, I don't know about this year. But the Bucks last year, where they didn't have that tough playoff mentality, and we do need to add something like that. This like 
it's something that Chris Paul adds. Oh, Chris Paul. Um, it's something that Chris Paul adds. It's something that Kawhi adds. I feel it's something that a, a good culture adds. And the playoffs are where you're really tested. Um, to not back down, to not play scared. And adding specific players can help that, you know. I think the Suns added Jay Crowder and Chris Paul, of course, to that playoff grit. And then you also have, well, the Clippers tried doing that with the additions of um, Rajon Rondo. We'll see how that works. Um, and... Uh, you know, coaches can also instill that, but there's only specific coaches that can. I believe that Tom Thibodeau will be able to do that, but on a player-by-player basis, yeah, there there's a lot of playoffs, like, strugglers that are in the NBA. With that being said, in terms of roster turnover, turnover we need we need a point guard. That's, it's as simple as that. Um... Alfred Payton is just a dud, and I swear to God, if the Knicks sign him again, I'm pretty sure collectively the Knicks fandom are just going to uh, shit themselves, you know, just why, but <clears throat> we need a point guard, <clears throat> simple as that, a point guard that can shoot, that could really space the floor, <laughs> those are two same things, um, a point guard that could help us instill a, like, that not scared mentality, a point guard that can take ownership of the half-court offense and set guys up when Julius is not feeling it at all, and a, a point guard that can really hold all of our guys accountable. Um, also play defense as well, but, you know, tips will instill that regardless. So, when I'm taking a look at the free, uh, the free agency pool, or even, like, you know, agency pool in general. Chris Paul is the top-tier pick. And he is 36. Yet, look at what he's doing with the Suns. He gets injured in the playoffs, and I understand <clears throat> everyone's hesitancy to him. And bar barring some miracle that the Suns don't keep him, which it could be way likelier than we all think mainly because that Chris Paul is literally asking for a 100 million dollar contract apparently after declining his player option who knows um if they keep him he is a top tier point guard he is one of the greatest point guards ever and he if he succeeds with the suns this year a they might keep him or b the Knicks are going to take a crack at him. And I think even regardless, if he doesn't succeed with the Suns this year, they are, they're they going to take a look at him. The connections are there. You know, William Wesley, Leon Rose, they, they all know each other. Leon Rose was his agent. It, You know, the connections are there. You know, he if it was a short-term, you know, contract that, allowed Chris Paul to take ownership of our offense to allow to be like another player coach really to be a part of this part of I guess the Knicks infrastructure holding our guys accountable like he's done for the Suns the Thunder the Rockets James Harden specifically I, I would be all for it um I would give him maybe a two-year deal 
fifty million dollars if no one gives a hundred million. But um, you know, for for him and Kyle Lowry as well, who was thirty five, but he's had one of his best seasons. I would give him short term max contracts, two years at most, and that's because the 2022 free agent pool is booming. So those are two point guards I would spend max money short term, two years at most, to get. Now, say what you will, Chris Paul getting injured in the playoffs, he makes his teams better, he gives legitimacy to the front offices of those teams, and... I still believe that we should get some... We we do need some more legitimacy in the eyes of the national media. Um, the Both Lowry and Paul, they're, they're floor spacers. They could shoot. They can set up a half-court offense. Lowry has that bulldog mentality on defense. Chris Paul is a floor general. He could set plays up better than, well, a lot of other guys, you know? Um, and... It would make Julius' job way easier. He We wouldn't have to rely on Julius all so much. Yes, he might be relegated to a second option, maybe third, if RJ really improves. But, honestly speaking, I, 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 I'm I, all for Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry. Um, aside from those two, though, those, uh, the other guys that are on this list, Mike Conley... Now, Mike Conley is an interesting guy because Utah Jazz could go all the way this year with the way that the West is looking out. Um, they, they're going to take the winner of the Mavs and Clippers game, which, oh, man, if the Clippers lose, all the ramifications on that are going to be spicy. But Jazz are looking like really top-tier like guys. And I believe that Mike Conley is a little injured right now, so he's currently not playing. i got to double-check on that, but... Um, I wouldn't mind Mike Conley. He was a lot of, like, he was a guy that was for up for discussion earlier in the season, you know, and a lot of Knicks fans would love Mike Conley because he could shoot. He, he's, like, he's a good veteran point guard, and if the Jazz don't want to retain him, the Knicks would offer him something. I don't know what they would offer him. I personally am lower on Mike Conley and a little bullish on him as well. But I do think he would fit our roster fine. Not great like Kyle Lowry or Chris Paul, but fine. And he would be like a marginal, not even a marginal, but like he would be a good upgrade. Anything would be better than Alfred, but he would be better than Derrick Rose. Um, he's 33 years old. He He's an all-star caliber player, but... The ages, age and injuries are something to be worried about. Um, he's he's on my local list of terms of point guards that we want. Now, if you want to get to someone a little bit younger, maybe has slower more potential to pop, maybe. Of course, Lonzo Ball is in our discussion. He's a restricted free agent right now. And honestly speaking, I do not see him staying in New Orleans. We've heard reports that the Chicago Bulls are heavily interested in him. And that might be, but he's a little inconsistent with his three ball. He doesn't know how to set up a half-court offense all that great. Um, he he wrote, works well in transition, which is what the Knicks do a lot. But when it comes to playoff time, 
I am skeptical about Lonzo. I really am. And maybe another change of environment really unlocks his potential. I mean, the kid was the second overall pick of a draft. Um, he's had multiple new coaches his entire career. He's been slandered. I personally called him the Alfred Payton of the West. Um, I, I, I am not entirely off the Lonzo Ball boat. I am, however, intrigued by him, but if he's going to cost like $23 million, the Bulls can have him. He's young. He fits our roster. I mean, he fits our timeline. He fits certain aspects of our roster. He's not a main playmaker. He's like a secondary guy who can run in transition. His three ball is a little streaky. He cannot finish well at the rim. He has his moments, but, you know, and his playmaking is something that leaves something to be desired for. His defense has fallen off, but honestly speaking, I think that's maybe SVG's whole, like, how he controls that team. Um, he's a good 3 and D point guard who really has some secondary playmaking um, elements. Now, I think Tom Thibodeau would be able to get Lonzo to buy in. I just think that we need something more, someone more with polish in terms of offensive game. He does, I could see the Knicks taking a look at him, but it's been reported by Ian Bagley that the Knicks have not really, currently at least, engaged any recent discussions with the Pelicans. So take that for what you will. Um, I'm 50-50 on Lonzo. That's all it really is to me. Bringing back Derrick Rose is probably going to be a top priority for the Knicks. We could probably get him for cheap, if we're going to be honest. Unless a contender says, you know what, Derrick Rose, we've seen you play with the Knicks. We've seen you start. You've been balling out in the playoffs. You've shown your worth. Come through to this contender and get yourself a ring. I think he would take that opportunity, but then again... Tom Thibodeau loves him, and so he's probably going to push for Derrick Rose to come back, and personally speaking, I think Derrick Rose is probably going to, there is an 80% chance of Derrick Rose coming back. He's a great culture guy, he is a veteran mentor that can help Emmanuel quickly develop, um, he brings consistency to the table, I personally think he'll be back 80%, um, he, he's dynamic on our offense, and really, he's the only one. He was one of the few people that showed up in the playoffs to play. So, have at it with that. Um, then you get into Spencer Dinwiddie. Now, Spencer Dinwiddie is a interesting case because I he, he's cool. He's he's how old? He's coming. He's still an injury. He's had a little bit of injury history. He's twenty eight years old. Um, he has a player option. They'll probably decline. It, I. I, he's a good-ish fit. Um, I think his playmaking isn't all that refined, I would say. He's a scorer, and we do need scores, and we wouldn't really need to worry about playmaking if we're still going to rely on Julius for that. Um, but I wouldn't want that long-term. And... It's it's an interesting thing where like you you need more scoring, but you also should get half court 
playmaking point guard, and I don't know if Dinwiddie fulfills that need. Um, he's probably going to want a good contract, too. He's coming off a torn ACL, so that's fantastic, I guess. Personally speaking, I don't know how I feel about Dinwiddie. Um, he's cool. I guess he's... Uh, I wouldn't offer him a long-term contract, if we're going to be honest. I just wouldn't. I I get it. Medical technology has advanced. Look at Kevin Durant, for Christ's sake. But I'm bullish on Dinwiddie. I think he goes to a place that really needs a scorer. And I think a good prediction for him might be... I guess you could say the Celtics. <laughs> The Celtics, who don't have a good point guard because Kemba's knees are utterly trash right now, and you know if they were to able if they were able to get off Kemba's contract, I think they would take a hard look at Dinwiddie. Um, that's just me saying, it, and yeah, have at it with that one. Now we get into, I guess. One guy that's been on the Knicks radar for a little bit of time and that everyone is kind of harshly criticizing if you're on Knicks relation, and that is Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder did not play well in the playoffs. Is he a starting point guard? Yes, for some teams. Is he a starting point guard championship contender? No. He is most likely a backup guard who basically leads your bench unit. Um, he doesn't shoot. He honestly isn't much of a playmaker. He's a scoring offensive guard. And um, he did not show up for the Lakers at all. He actually removed the Lakers from his bio. And it's the Lakers are in a tough position regarding that because I don't know who else they would get. In terms of a point guard, who, you know, the Lakers just need to retool that whole thing. But, realistically speaking, he's he does not fit our roster. Sure, he's kind of young. He's 28 years old. But, he, the dude wants to get a max contract, yet he doesn't want to play like a max contract player. It's similar to John Collins, where they overvalue themselves and think that they could be one of the top guys but meanwhile they do not play like it and it's just mind-boggling to me i get it you gotta have like a massive ego to make it in the nba but dennis schroeder is not a guy that i would spend any kind of good amount of money on maybe for two years like like i said all these guys they're aside from maybe lonzo ball um a lot of these guys are going to be two-year short-term contracts, personally speaking. Um, that Like, I I don't see the need for Dennis Schroeder. I do not want Dennis Schroeder. He shot 33% from three this year. That is one of his lowest percentages, actually. Um, actually, his third lowest percentage, or fourth lowest in his career, but... He is an upgrade against Alfred Payton, but he is not someone that I want. 
because we need three-point shooting, we need four spacers, we need a floor general who could set up a half-court offense, and he has not shown that. He's played with great, great playmakers in LeBron James and Chris Paul. He's done well in those, again, alongside those guys, but he, honestly speaking, is not a starting point guard that you should take. He is a t he is a guy that would probably go to the Magic or another rebuilding team like the Wizards who need a boom probably don't need a point guard cuz you got Westbrook but he is he's that type of guy who would he's similar to Jeremy Grant who wants a bigger role, a better contract and wants to prove himself, but he's not a A1 talent. He is probably a B minus talent in that point guard group, and I will not have Dennis Schroeder on my team. So there, there's all of that. Um, Dennis Schroeder should not be in the Knicks. Like I, they they should not go for him at all. So with all of that said, those are the. I mean, you could take a look at uh, the free agent class, and this is just terrible. I don't even know if we're going to re-sign Frank. Um, he's a restricted free agent. I want him back, but who knows? Because then you start getting into the weeds of it. You got Austin Rivers, who's doing fantastic, fantastically well with the Nuggets. Shooting, like, what, 54% on three with them? Jesus Christ. Talk about a bargain bin deal. I, it, I personally like Devonta Graham. I can see why people don't like him, um, but... Charlotte Hornets have way too many point guards on their team. It's a similar reason why Lonzo Ball is a restricted free agent, but he probably won't stay with the Pelicans because they have Kira, or Kyra, actually. And then you have, um, what's his face? Nicole Alexander, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They have, like, a lot of... And then Eric Bledsoe, of course. Um, you have him there as well. Same thing with Devonta Graham. They have a lot of point guards on that Hornets team. Devonta Graham is a streaky three-ball shooter who can give you, who can give you like seventeen points per game. He's a good playmaker for like yeah, he's he's a decent playmaker. Uh, his thing is that he's twenty-six years old. I wouldn't mind him. A lot of other people would. Um, he might not be like a first option or anything. He might be a third or fourth type of guy, but. I, you know, if the Hornets don't retain him, he's like, you know, his destiny is probably going to be a sixth man off the bench slash third or fourth option on a, on a good team. Don't know about a championship contending team. So, he's one of my options that are just like, you know, if all else fails, just go for him. Uh... Frank, in general, I, I wish he would come back, but I don't know if he will. And you got Chris Dunn out here. The free agent market for point guards is pretty trash. It's just very top-heavy. and A lot of these guys might... The only real wild card I could see is Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, he fits the Knicks culture. Looks like he's ready for something new. He is 36, but he's playing the best basketball he's ever had. A two-year short-term deal is what I would like to sign Kyle Lowry. He is a good playmaker. He holds guys accountable now. 
He is a fantastic veteran presence. He could help develop Emmanuel quickly into potentially being a good point guard. Same th it's the same reasons for Chris Paul, really. Except Kyle Lowry isn't on Chris Paul's level. He's a better three-point shooter than him, but... You know... I would love Kyle Lowry on the scene. Probably more so than Chris Paul, if we're going to be honest. He fits us very well. Um, so he's really the only wild card I could truly see the Knicks taking a big swing on. And that is because, and then I head into another segment, even though the segment's like 23 minutes long. Oh my lord, I'm sorry. But heading into the next segment... So now we're going to get into playoff ramifications and how it ties into the Knicks. And of course, we are going to talk about Kawhi Leonard. <clears throat> Excuse me, but this Clippers team looks so unmotivated. They look lackadaisical. And um, Kawhi Leonard has not signed an extension with the Los Angeles Clippers. A lot of people say he's just waiting for the offseason to have time to do it, but I beg to differ. I think he's looking to see how this roster shakes out. And honestly speaking, I don't blame him. Now, I really don't. Last year, they were clowned on for losing to the Mavs. This year, they're going to a Game 7 with the Mavericks. And the only one that's actually really doing anything worthwhile on this Clippers roster is Kawhi Leonard. And this is after they got their coach's choice of Tyron Lu. Now, I want to make an entire episode dedicated to what makes a good coach, but the fact that you got Ty Lu as a player coach and you're you're in a worse position last year than you were with Doc Rivers this year. Doc Rivers looks like that ex that has done better than you. And then you lament on losing what you, like, you know, you didn't know how good you had it. And Doc Rivers is killing it with the Sixers. And you look at where the freaking Clippers are. I'm sorry, but I don't care if Ka Kawhi and Paul George want Ty Lue to coach this team. It's the same reason why... Damian Lillard should not make an like, players should not making and should not make coaching decisions unless you're on a top five level of player, and that means if you're LeBron basically because LeBron literally knows the game inside and out. There's a reason why that dude was able to win with Ty Lue, and yet Ty Lue hasn't really done anything of note since that. Maybe I'm not giving Ty Lue enough credit, but the fact that they're in a Game 7 with the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic carrying the Mavericks and have a $158 million liability is crazy to me. It truly is. I just... I don't get it at all. Like, are you kidding me? On paper, this Clippers team has so much more talent than the Mavericks. You have Kawhi, you have Paul George. That's two all-NBA guys. That's a top 10, top 5 guy, and top 10 in Paul George. Then you have Serge Ibaka, who is no slouch. You have Marcus Morris, who is no slouch. You have Reggie Jackson, who is okay. You have Terrence Mann, who's looking like as if he should play over Paul George right now. You have Ivaka Zubak, who 
is a starting center that's capable, but you're not even going to try DeMarcus Cousins at all? And then you have Nick Batum, who is solid. I, like... <sighs> really, it comes down to Ty Lue's rotations and who he trusts, and it seems as though you can't even trust Paul George. A lot of it is to Paul George. He plays good, but the fact that Paul George signed an extension with the freaking Clippers for how much now? Um, he's going to get a guaranteed salary of $162 million through the 2024-25 season. Kawhi Leonard still hasn't signed. Um, so, you know, I just... I don't see a way for this Clippers team to really make good, I guess, what's the term? Good roster moves now. Because you're paying Marcus Moore $64 million, which you should have since you gave up a first-round pick that turned into money real quickly, for. And then I don't understand this. You don't play Luke Kennard, and everyone's criticized this, but you don't play Luke Kennard, who you just signed to a $46 million extension. You put him on the bench and you're going to play. And that extension is going to kick in right after this season. What are you doing, Los Angeles Clippers? What are you doing? They're capped out. And honestly speaking, I think Kawhi is weighing his options to see how far this Clippers team can go. Because if Paul George does not show up, if Luke Kennard doesn't even play, if Ty Lue shits the bed against the Mavericks, who only have Luka Doncic, a third-year player who is playing like he's a top-ten player and who has the corpse of Kristaps Porzingis as his second option. And then, uh, not second option, he's like the fifth option at this point. Then you have Tim Hardaway Jr., who is in his contract here and is shooting lights out now as his second option and is murking the, the Clippers. I, I think Kawhi really, honestly speaking glances at somewhere else as to like you know maybe I should actually like this team is kind of not it this like I and Kawhi deserves criticism for this because he forced this team to actually make the moves that he's done he's low-key a diva no one criticizes Kawhi Leonard at all and it's kind of it's kind of shocking and I don't know if I would want Kawhi if we're going to be honest, because of his diva tendencies that go under-noticed, you know, he made them fire Doc Rivers. He made them get, like, he, you know, we have all seen that story about him using the women's locker room to stretch and whatnot, and he made Paul George ask out from OKC. Meanwhile, he was his third choice behind Jimmy Butler and um, Kevin Durant. We've, we... The Clippers gave up everything for Kawhi, but Kawhi hasn't signed an extension, and now Kawhi has to do the carry against this Mavericks team, and if they get bounced in the first round, you don't think he's going to look elsewhere to fulfill his championship ambitions? I think the Knicks are in a perfect place, and this goes back into Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is someone that can hold Kawhi accountable, because Kawhi Leonard isn't a leader. He can be your number one option. He is no leader. And a leader is someone that inspires, holds down your team, shows you that you're accountable for this, and that 
you can captain the team. You could guide them. Kawhi is not a guider. He is a first option, but he is not a leader. And that's what differentiates him between LeBron James, between Michael Jordan, between all the greats like Larry Bird, between freaking, I guess, even Dirk, you know. All those guys had leadership qualities and were the number one options. Kawhi Leonard is a number one option, but he is not a leader. And it shows. It shows. He's leading through his play right now, but realistically, who is that guy to hold everyone accountable? Because it doesn't seem like Kawhi is holding anyone accountable. He's just carrying the load. And there's a difference between carrying your team and being a leader and forcing them to show up. Kyle Lowry does that. We've seen it with the Raptors. He was the heart and soul of that Raptors team, but they needed a guy like Kawhi to get over the hump. So that's why I think Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry could be the play, and we wouldn't even need to do much. Both of them are unrestricted free agents. You know, if Kawhi doesn't sign an extension, he is a free agent. We wouldn't have to trade for anything. We we do, honestly our two most needed positions are point guard and small forward, and they both fit right in. It would also vault us into championship contention, mainly because of the fact that we would keep R.J. Barrett, who is a blossoming star, and would learn from these both of these guys. We we have Tom Thibodeau, who's a fantastic coach, given all of his faults. Every coach has faults, but. And if you're going to say the load management theory, here's what I say to that. You still got Julius Randle being able to play a good amount of games. You still got Kyle Lowry to play a good amount of games. R.J. Barrett can play a good amount of games. We could rest Kawhi if we needed to. And I get it. Tibbs wants to play 40 minutes a game for him. But we have the roster to actually just let him relax a little bit. Because you still have an all-star in Julius Randle. You still would have an all-star in Kyle Lowry, and he would have a blossoming young talent in R.J. Barrett. We would just really need to upgrade our bench pieces, and yeah, you could say goodbye to maybe, you gotta say goodbye to Nerlens Noel, he's gonna get the back somewhere, and kudos to him, he deserves it, but he's not a starting caliber center. Mitchell Robinson, we do also have to extend, but I don't think it's gonna be that big of a problem, and if needed be, we could always get another center. If we're going to be honest right here. And I don't know if the Knicks are going to do that. I think they're going to try to go in after Kyle Lowry. But they want to build something sustainable. And not immediately go for a championship contender. I think realistically speaking. Kawhi Leonard is not going to come to the Knicks. But that they're going to focus on RJ Barrett. And we've seen RJ's progress. And I've seen some shades of James Harden, of him being the lead ball handler. I personally think next year we're going to start seeing a shift. And I've said this before, and it was a controversial take since Julius was balling out, but I think R.J. Barrett's the future of his team. He is that guy that's going to be a second or number one option for us. Um, We've seen his progress. He's, He's improving tremendously. He's barely able to drink now. He's 21 years old. He's shown up for like two of the of like some games in the playoffs. Um, he's growing. He 
realistically speaking, this team moves forward with R.J. Barrett. We do not trade R.J. Barrett for anything. And yeah, sure, Ka- Kawhi and Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry would be great. But I think Kyle Lowry himself would just be a tremendous boost to his team. I am not 100% sure if Kawhi is the play that this team would make. And honestly speaking, I think they want to build something sustainable. Hence why we get the reports of looking into Kendrick Nunn or Miles Turner. You know, both of those guys are younger guys that can help our team right now. But it's also like we want to build something really sustainable. So, unless like unless Kawhi and Kyle Lowry come here, I, I still think that you know, we would still have flexibility in that regard that both of them come here. I wouldn't want to become a mercenary team. And I don't think the Knicks front office wants to become a mercenary team. But, man, would that be great if Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard came here and you still retained all of our picks, all of our assets, all of our young players, all of our core players. That would be the dream. But it's a dream with compromise, which I don't know if everyone wants to take. Um, but this is if the Clippers get bounced in the first round or even the second round. So we have to wait and see if how that shakes out. And tonight is actually the Clippers and Mavericks Game 7 at 3.30 Eastern Time PM. That's in a few hours, y'all. I'm hyped for it. I hope y'all are hyped too. This game might have bigger ramifications than we all think it would. Um... So, yeah, this is, I'm not going to continue longer because I've spoken enough today. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this, if you're still listening. But this is Bench from Warm Takes, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Go Knicks Mafia. Take care, y'all. Peace. (laughs) 